Well, good morning, Foothills Church. It's so good to see you guys here, whether you're here in Maryville watching online into our new location in Bearden. We're so excited uh, to have all of us joined and connected together. If you've got a Bible, let's go to uh, the book of Acts chapter one. Uh, If you didn't know this, we do have an FC app. I encourage you to download that every week. We put the sermon notes in there. The scripture is in there. You can follow right along. If you don't have that, it's a great way to keep up. Let me start today by asking you a question. What is the most important thing that you do every single day? Think about that. What's the most important task that you accomplish every day? Now, some of you might say, telling my wife that I love her, and we would go, oh, you're so sweet. Uh, Some of you might say eating, eating I must eat. And so that's the number one thing for me. Some of you might get real practical and say, I think the most important thing I do is I wake up every day. That's kind of important every day we need to wake up. No, I think as Americans, we're all all the time kind of asking the question of how can I be productive? How can I uh, do the most important things in my life? Because I, I want you know, to, to do the things that matter. I want to be productive. And, and so we're consistently asking that question. And in his book, 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management, Kevin Cruz writes his book based on his survey and research where he interviewed billionaires, Olympic athletes, straight A students, and over 200 successful entrepreneurs. And he was trying to answer the question, of, of what are the secrets to extreme productivity? How, how can we become more productive? Why are these people productive? And so he came up with 15 and he shares in his book. And one of those, I wanted to share it today. He says that successful people focus on only one thing. He says ultra productive people know what their most important task is and they work on it for one to two hours each morning without interruptions. And so then he goes on to explain and and say, what what task will give you the biggest impact on reaching your goals? What accomplishment will get you promoted at work? That's what you should dedicate your mornings to every day. So I read that and I'm thinking, okay, kind of get the point of focus. I agree with focus, but Is the most important thing that you and I can do today the thing that's going to get us promoted at work? Is that really the most important thing that we could do today? See, I think when you look to the world for advice on how to live your life well and how to be productive, you're going to find statements like this, and it sounds really good. Yeah, I need to focus on this to, to, to reach my goal. But what if the, the goal that we have in mind is worthless? What if the goal that we're trying to accomplish is against God's will? You see, I think we have to take inventory of what are the important things in life and what should I really be focused on? And so I think somebody should write a book about what is the most important thing that we could ever do in our life. That would be a book worth reading. As I thought about that, I thought, well, I guess it's already been written, hasn't it? God wrote it, it's called the Bible. And when we study it and research it and we dig into it, the truths of what 
really allows your life to count and to matter, the principles of, of living a life that, that allows you to have a relationship with God and, and heaven as your home, these are the, are, are the truths that God's word teaches. And in fact, today, uh, the Lord is gonna answer this question, what is the most important task that you and I as followers of Christ will ever uh, accomplish? The, the one task that if we don't get this task right, if, if we don't accomplish and, and we're not a part of this task, then pretty much everything else in our life doesn't matter. Jesus is going to give it to us today. We're in a sermon series called This Is Us. So this is week five and we've been going through the core values of Foothills Church. These are the things that unite us. These are the, these are the values that we see in the word of God. And, and as we see them in the word of God, we wanna champion them as a church to help us unify and, and give us a purpose and direction as a church. And so uh, we've been going through this for five weeks. Today, our value that I wanna focus on is we can't stay here. And this idea of we can't stay here uh, really comes from Acts chapter one. In Acts one, Jesus is, is talking to probably over 500 of, of his disciples. Remember, he, he dies on the third day, he rose. And then after his resurrection, he spent 40 days ministering to the disciples and teaching and continually, uh, continuing to train them on what to do after he leaves. And so this is the final day that, that he is going to be with them. He ascends into heaven. And so this is a monumental day. And he reminds them, guys, if you've missed everything that I've said for the last 33 years of my life, if you've not gotten anything else, this is my one last final reminder. This is the primary task that I'm giving to you as, as my follower that you must be about. And here's what he says. In verse six, Acts one, it says, so when they had come together, they asked him, asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come again in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now we see, um, some, some great truth in this text today. We see the premise for why we can't stay here. And, and uh, I love it because in verse eight, we see that, that the, the, the primary task is to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and ends of the earth. But before he gets to the primary task, he has to deal with something that apparently at least one, probably many of the, the disciples were actually wrestling with. And it's probably something that you wrestle with too. It becomes a distraction in our life to our primary task to be a witness. And what it ends up being for all of us is that we worry about the future. We worry about the future. You see, Jesus is trying to go to heaven. He's trying to ascend, right? And he's trying to give this one last you know, reminder. This is what you're to do. 
This is what it's all about. But he's got disciples worrying about the future. Jesus, verse six, Jesus, is, are you gonna restore the kingdom? Is, is that happening now? See, the disciples thought at this time that Jesus was physically going to become the king of Israel. And they thought he's gonna become the king, he's gonna be the leader, right? And, and we're gonna be able to drive out the Romans who have you know, enslaved us, we're gonna get rid of them. And then all the disciples are gonna become rulers with Jesus of, of the kingdom. That's still what they were thinking. After everything they had been through, they still didn't quite grasp it. And Jesus has to deal with this. See, they're worried about the future and, and um, surely Jesus is going to return. And when he does, the kingdom will be fully established. Right now we're kind of in this tension of we, we're already in and, and have the presence of God and the kingdom is an already but not yet fully experienced. Jesus is with us. We're building his kingdom through his church. And at the same time, it's not yet fully revealed until he returns, right? And so this is the tension we live in and, and, and we have this same distraction. We worry about the future. I mean, be honest. How many of you are worried about the future of America? How many of you are worried about the future of politics? How many are worried about the future of public schools? And yes, we have all of these worries. What was Jesus's response to the worry? It's not for you to know. I'm sure the disciples hated that answer. <laughs> And the reason why I'm sure they hated it is because when, when I hear that same answer, I don't like it. I want answers. I don't, I don't want the Lord to say it's not for you to know. No, I want to know. You probably want to know. We want our worry and our anxiety to subside by what? By knowing. Because somewhere in our brain, in our logic, we think that if we know, then I won't worry but that's not true. You know a lot today, but you still worry. You know so much about how the world works. You know so much about the Bible, but you still worry. What's the answer? The answer is faith. The answer is trust. We don't like that because it's hard to do. But in the midst of worry, in the midst of questioning, how's this all going to work? The Lord is often gonna tell us that it's not for you to know the answer to that question. You see, God is always faithful, he can be trusted, so even when you don't know what he's doing or why things are happening the way that they are, faith says, I believe God is working. Faith says, I'm not going to allow my mind to worry and have anxiety about this because I am going to believe that God's hand and God's spirit and God's work is going to be sovereign in this situation. So what I am called to do is the thing that I know I should be doing. And so I'm gonna do today what I know to do. Some of you are so frustrated with the way things are going today and you're worried. And as a result of that, you're not being and doing what God is calling you to do today. In fact, the worry and the anxiety is allowing you to be a bad witness for your king. Maybe this is what we need. We need to be reminded. What are you worried about? What is it that you're so frustrated about? Is the Lord just really needing to say to you, do you need to accept this today? It's not for you to know why. See, I believe God is doing something today in our world. He is doing something big. I don't know what that is, 
But when global pandemics happen, when so much division in a, in, in a political system and in a world and turmoil is happening, it tells me that God is doing something. He is working, right? And it's not for me to save the country or save the world or save the children. <laughs> it's my primary task to be a witness. And the same is true for you. So yes, there are gonna be questions that we have that Jesus doesn't answer. But, but there are gonna be questions that he does answer. And so to that fact, we turn to this truth. We are told to receive power from Jesus and be a witness for Jesus. We receive power from Jesus by the Holy Spirit. When you give your life to Jesus, when you have faith in Jesus, he saves you and immediately he gives you the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Holy Supreme God of the universe gives you his spirit to live in your soul. Some of you are ignoring, tapping out of, not thinking about, not trying to engage in this spirit, right? But he is there and he is present. And so as we seek the word, as we pray, as we follow, as we, as we get out of our heads and out of our phones and out of this technology and we begin to listen to him, maybe even in solitude and in prayer, we begin to really experience the power of this spirit, this Holy Spirit. Jesus tells the disciples in verse four to wait in Jerusalem until he comes. Another thing we don't like to do, wait, wait. He's telling us to wait so often. We don't wanna wait, we wanna go. We wanna get out in front and go and do and I don't care if it's wrong, I just gotta go, I just gotta do. And oftentimes he'll say, wait. And when you receive the power, he will empower you to become a witness. When you, when Jesus saves you, the moment you are saved, the spirit of the living God comes to live within your soul. It doesn't happen later, it happens in that moment. And in that moment, on that day, you become a witness. You are a witness, right? As you learn and grow and mature and, and, and gain wisdom and knowledge, you become a better and better witness. But the day you are saved, you and I are a witness. See, a witness is someone who has seen an event and they give evidence of what they saw. They give proof of what they've experienced or what they saw. That's what you're to do with the gospel. That's what you and I are called to do as followers of Christ. We give evidence. We, we show this is what I've experienced. See, a witness gives a testimony. They have personal knowledge. And so they can attest in a genuine way how their life was changed because of what they saw and what they experienced. You and I are a witness. If you're unwilling to witness, I would question whether or not you're saved. At the very least, you are disobeying what God has saved you to do. So we're called to give a testimony. We're called to share how God changed our life or what he is currently doing. In Matthew 28, he gives us what we call the great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. And this word go is a word that, that means as you go. So as you go to work, as you go to school, be on mission, be a witness. As you go to football games, be a witness. I was sitting next to a guy I never met, striked up a conversation in a football game a couple weeks ago, found out his son was playing on the team, found out we went to the same high school. I invited him to church. His son had actually been on a Wednesday night. It was fantastic. I'm not just a Christian on Sunday morning up here. I'm a Christian, I'm a witness everywhere I go. What if we all did that every week on mission, right? Everyone is called to, to be a witness. And it starts 
in Jerusalem. So essentially there's a geographic progression. If you ever look at your Bible, you know the maps that are in the Bible you never really look at. The progression there starts in Jerusalem, your city, your community, where you're living right now. And then as God builds his church in that community, you're a witness in that community, he begins to give you resources and vision and, 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 and you begin to know that, okay, we're, we're, we're reaching this community and as God grows and, and develops us, the next geographic area is right outside that city, which would be our region. It would be Metro Knoxville, Greater Knoxville, East Tennessee for us, right? And then as we are accomplishing that, like we, okay, the next geographic is, whoa, the ends of the earth. This is the essence of we can't stay here. Jerusalem, my city, my neighborhood, greater East Tennessee, and then the world. And as a church, that's what we're seeking to do. We can't stay here. We've got to go. Now, not everybody's going to go to Samaria or, you know, not everybody's going to the uttermost parts of the world, but some will. We're all called to pray. We're all called to give. We're all called to serve. Some will be called to go to Knoxville. Some will be called to go to the ends of the earth. We have to be willing to say yes, no matter what he is calling us to do. Now, some of you right now are at Bearden and you're in Bearden Middle School and you're listening and I'm so glad that you are uh, there. And I just want you to know that God wants to send revival to your community. Jesus says to pray for laborers because the harvest is plentiful. So, so pray for more workers. The reason why you are at Bearden Middle School today is because for the last five years, we've been praying for the Bearden community. You've got to see yourself as a witness. It is time to be a witness. I truly believe God is going to build FC Bearden. He's going to build leaders. He's going to change lives. And if you want to see this movement, you have to take this responsibility and say, look, we're going to be the witness. We didn't start this location just to get a bunch of Christians to gather. No, we, we, we're happy when that happens. But when that happens, we're called and we see that we're, we're gathering because we're witnesses, right? You're gonna be a witness for him in Knoxville. And, and that's where you are currently at. I know there's a lot of questions. When, when are, are you gonna get a location? What's gonna happen next? No, here's what we've gotta do. We've gotta receive power from Jesus and go out and be a witness for Jesus. And so Bearden, this is your opportunity to see God do something incredible in a city, to be a witness for God and through God so that, so that the Lord would, would, would change not only your life, but the lives of thousands of people in your city. And so people in Maryville, we're still seeing it in this location as well. We are nowhere near being finished. And so I would say every single one of us need to take the mantle that we are a witness. You represent Christ. You represent Foothills Church everywhere you go. And so will we take this mantle upon our, our life? And, 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 and will we fully step into this? He says, Jerusalem, Judea, East Tennessee, and the utter ends of the earth. Now, um, we had some students that went to spend um, several weeks in Africa this past summer, literally going to the ends of what we would call the ends of the earth or our location. And, and uh, I wanted to uh, see, I want you to see their story. And then also we're going to hear from uh, Todd and Christy who 
were here on staff at, at Foothills for three years. And for the last two years, they've been in Africa. We're going to hear their experience and be encouraged by that. And we're going to watch this video um, as we do. My name is Carly Lindahl. I've been attending Foothills since 2014 and grew up in the student ministry here. My name is Chloe Lindahl and I've been coming to Foothills Church since about 2014. And so I was about in eighth grade when I started coming here. And since coming here, God has just taken me on a journey of giving me actual spiritual food to grow in my journey with Christ. And it's been cool to see God continue to lead me to different places as um, he's opened doors to do that and continue to grow me in my walk with him. It was me, my sister, and Abby. Um, we worked with Todd and Christy Stewart, who are IMB missionaries in Zambia, and we also were with a team from Iowa City um, called SALT, and we did a lot of our work with them as well. So Zambia is a country in southern Africa, and it's the main religion is Christianity, but there are still some unreached people groups there. So a lot of times when I think of missions, I think of going to places that haven't necessarily heard of Jesus at all. But we went and most of the people were, you know, had grown up in church just like here and knew a lot about Jesus but didn't necessarily know Jesus or what it looked like to follow him. My team and I, to share the gospel, we would go on to college campuses in the area and especially for the first couple of weeks, we did a lot of evangelism. God opened a lot of doors with that and just an eagerness to hear. It was just so amazing to see someone who, see the change from a non-believer to an early Christian to someone who's growing in their faith. And I thought because of the length of the trip, we got to see that and it was such a blessing. I think it's important for believers to experience cross-cultural service because, at least for me, it just helps me get a bigger picture of the global church and the body of Christ. God created all people around the world and He created them with different cultures and with different appearances, um, different loves, but He is still the creator of us all and we all reflect His image. I can say confidently, I have brothers and sisters there that I couldn't say in my own family. Like I think the bond of the Holy Spirit 8,000 miles across the world um, is greater than I have in my own family with non-believers. And I think that was beautiful and I think everyone should experience that. Right. Well, uh, <clears throat> this is uh, my brother, Todd. For those of you guys that are new, again, uh, he and Christy were both on staff here at FC for three years, serving in our mission in uh, small group ministries. And so they left to go to Zambia, Africa for um, the last two years. So we want to just kind of on this topic of we can't stay here. You guys obviously embrace that. <laughs> and so um, what led you to to really begin to understand that God was calling you guys to go to Africa. Todd, why don't you start? Yeah, well, thank you. It's good to be here. Um, we've always had a heart for the nations and making Jesus known among the nations, obviously being here as a mission leader and taking trips. But really, this specific thing happened in about 2017. Our daughter spent a summer uh, in, in Senegal 
with another teammate whose father just happened to be the affinity leader for the IMB of all of sub-Saharan Africa. So when they came back, our families got together and we began talking and he began sharing what was going on in Africa and he, he began to invite Christy and I over to see some of those things. And then other circumstances that, that happened in our life, uh, it just began to see that doors were opening. Hmm. And as we walked through a door, I, you know, another door seemed to open and we tried to put ourselves in these places to where if we were in Africa, what did it feel like? You know, did we have peace from the Holy Spirit? And if we stayed, what did it feel like? You know, hmm. we're not, we're not going to go. We're going to stay and just continue to serve the Lord here. And what did that feel like? And we just, we just began to sense that the Lord was, was, was moving and opened way too many doors mm. for this to just be a bunch of coincidences. Yeah. Christy, was it the same for you or how did, it, how did it unfold in your head? What was going on in your mind as you were thinking about this? <laughs> well, um, a, a lot of worry as your first point of your sermon. Um, I could definitely see it happening. Todd would ask me all the time, what do you feel? What do you think? I'm like, I can see it happening. I can definitely see it happening. Um, but what's this going to look like? How's this going to change our family? We have grown children. How's this going to change our family dynamic? Uh, what's going to, you know, my mind's just all over the place. Um, yeah. But then coming back to the command of, we know we're supposed to go. And mm-hmm. all of our life, we've gone. Um, we've served. We've but on a short-term basis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's it going to be like to sell everything you have and um, move and live somewhere with no return ticket? Um, but, uh, so it was a battle of yeah. the mind and um, what's this going to look like and, and a battle of faith and really trusting the Lord through that process. But then coming to the end of, no, we can't stay here. We got to go. Yeah. yeah. So God's using all these circumstances and uh, despite fears kind of in that process, you guys really took, it was over a year, wasn't it, of praying and mm-hmm. processing through that. And you went through the IMB process of interviews and mm-hmm. all of those things, which is very intense. And, yeah. and so then you decide, okay, yes, we're moving, we're going. And, and then you step off the airplane in Zambia, Africa. What's going through your head when you arrive? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, we started with you know, oh my gosh, we're in Africa. Um, and we're That's there. That's a good tweet, by the way. Oh my gosh, we're in Africa. Oh my gosh, we're in Africa. Uh, and you immediately know that you're in a different world. This yeah. is, you know, we're not at home anymore. And uh, just from the landscape and the culture and the heat and uh, driving on the wrong side of the, well, it's not wrong. It's the other side of the road, the different side of the road. Yeah. And then driving with a stick shift with your left hand, yeah. you know, all the things that you just have to unlearn just to live in daily life. Um, so there was a lot of excitement, you know, there when we got there. Mm. Um, we knew what we were supposed to do. We, we, we were clear what our, our mm-hmm. specific responsibilities were. So exciting to meet new people and see this amazing culture that I've always loved. I'm a National Geographic fanatic, <laughs> so I'm always watching the lion eat the wildebeest, you know, and mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, but there we were, you know, and we, we realized the lions were right over there, yeah. you know, or something. So uh, it, was just, it was exciting at that time. Yeah, and then very soon after you guys landed, COVID hit, and that kind of changed what you were going to do. Christy, yes. what, what yeah. happened? So I was... <laughs> I was supposed to go and run a guest house um, for missionaries who were coming to serve. And we had about 10 teams scheduled for 2020. Um, Todd and 
I both, we were doing serving uh, university students on college campuses. And so after we'd only been there a couple months, all of that went away. Mm. <laughs> Everything shut down. Um, the teams weren't coming anymore. As a matter of fact, uh, there was a team from Foothills that was supposed to be there for spring break of March, and student team, and had to cancel two yeah. days before the trip. And, um, and it's just like everything we thought we went there to do went away in mm. a matter of no time. Yeah. And um, that was hard. Sure. You've gone 8,000 miles away from your family and what are, we, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, and you guys actually had an opportunity to come back. Um, at that time, the IMB said, you know, anybody that wants to leave and, and go back, if you feel unsafe, and so you were given that opportunity, but yeah. you, uh, you, you chose to stay. Tell us why and what happened. Yeah, right after uh, the, the students uh, canceled and we heard this thing about COVID, uh, the IMB president sends an email to all our personnel and says, hey, we don't know what this is. If you don't feel safe, you can come home and continue to be a missionary and we'll just figure out something mm -hmm. here at home. Well, that was interesting, you know. What do we do? We just got here. We just counted the call. We did all this stuff and now we're here to go back home. Um, and COVID hadn't quite hit Zambia yet. You mm -hmm. know, it's, uh, it, it, it hit places so it didn't seem, we weren't sure what it was. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, Africans... They didn't know what it was, so they kind of asked us because it began to be known as the white people's disease. Mm. Uh, what are you white people bringing over here? I'm like, I don't know. We're, we're, I, I don't know what <laughs> we it didn't is. Bring anything. It's not us. Uh, and and uh, they said, well, will it kill you? And I said, I don't know. Maybe. And they said, maybe. Well, we've got Ebola, malaria, typhoid. Like, if it's a maybe, we don't, we're not paying any attention to it. So it really wasn't a big deal there mm. for a bit. Uh, so we just felt like there was no peace in us coming back. Yeah. We were there and just to forge. Yeah. But then the word pivot became a big word. <laughs> yeah, so everybody had to pivot, right? right. And the whole so world, right? The whole world did, and you guys certainly did. What you went to do was to serve you know, colleges and teams coming in. No teams coming in now. College shut down. So you know, that had to be a moment like, God, now what? Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do? Well, God really opened the door for us because we weren't able to do ministry on campuses. We had this whole big guest house. We were like, well, we'll bring the students to us because they didn't have anything to do. Campuses were shut down. And so we would bring them and they would stay at the guest house for a few nights a week and I would cook for them and we would do discipleship and training with them. So what we thought was a really bad thing ended up being a very good thing. We were able to go a lot deeper mm -hmm. with a few and have this big widespread ministry. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And that kind of led into some other things too, as you guys were faithful with a few. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that was so special because now as we were leaving, the guys that are on this campus leading all the ministries were those guys uh -huh. and those girls that just dove in deep early. Uh, so it really, the Lord was creating sustainability mm. even when we thought we were just, you know, trying to make it through this, this early phase. But then other people started uh, that I'd met in those first three months before COVID kind of happened. And they said, I hear you're training somebody. Why don't you train us? Mm. And so all of a sudden, these pastors started coming to the guest house mm. in, our, in our conference room. We started training, and then I did this, uh, this four fields training for these six pastors. Well, they said everybody needs, so they, needs to hear this, so they invited some more. Then we had 22, and one of those people just happened to be the leader of the association for Lusaka, uh, the capital city of Zambia. 
And uh, he said, we have 95 churches. I'd like you to train all 95 pastors and churches wow. in what you're training. And from there, it went outside of that area, even into non-Baptist circles. Um, and now a network has been formed of sort of that apostolic pastor, that, that church multiplying pastors who are taking this and this whole thing we've been pouring into them for two years. They've created a network and they're multiplying and planting churches, sending Zambians to Zambia. And our next phase is to send Zambians to other African countries. Wow. So it really turned out to be something that uh, I think God really wanted yeah. us to move to anyway. That's incredible. And you guys actually planted a church while you were there. Mm -hmm. That was not the goal or the idea when you went, really. Mm -mm. No, it really wasn't. Part of our, our responsibility was finding existing churches to partner with the universities so that when we would go to another university, there would be activity happening. Because 70% yeah. of Zambians are under the age of 30. Wow. So the churches aren't really reaching this next generation. Some mm. of them are a little stuck, maybe <laughs> a little traditional. Mm. Uh, so what we learned quickly, even in the first few months, was these churches were not going to reach the universities. Mm -hmm. So we went with a different strategy. Let's plant churches at these large universities mm -hmm. so they can reach them and put the right pastor who has a heart for students there. And so in January, we, we planted uh, Tri-Cities Baptist Church. We joked about calling it COVID Baptist Church <laughs> because no one was planting churches <laughs> in the last year. Yeah. Uh, but it's just taken off and many students have come. That's incredible. And uh, they're actually leading in many facets of yeah, the church. That's, that's incredible how God took a, a, a plan that you had created and totally changed it and you guys pivoted. And yeah. uh, certainly I'm sure it wasn't, wasn't easy to go through all that. Christy, what, what are some misconceptions that maybe you had about what it meant to be a missionary and, and, and what did God teach you that you were surprised to learn? Yeah. <laughs> well, in the first service, I said um, that I learned the depravity of my own soul, um, <laughs> which is so true because there was I've really... I've been trying to tell you for years. <laughs> for years. <laughs> well, there was just some really, really hard days. And, you know, you think you, you go and we're serving and we're giving and doing and, and you do all that, but um, then a pandemic comes in the middle of it too and you realize this is hard and we're separated from our family and we learned there's 20 ventilators in the whole entire country of Zambia. What if we get sick? Or yeah. What if, um, who knows happens? And um, you just think, why are we here? What's going on? Those days that before we pivoted, <laughs> we're mm -hmm. trying to figure out what's going on. Um, you, you, you realize how little lack of faith you can have on some days. Mm. And that was hard. And um, you think, I'm better than this. I'm stronger than this. I should be able to do this. But in all those sentences, all you're hearing is I, 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 I. And so you learn a lot about depending on the Lord. And mm. because you have no support system there. There's no one around. I mean, we had each other and that was it. And mm. so you learn... Um, how little faith you can have in certain situations mm. and how much you really need to rely on the Lord. Mm, yeah. uh, it was a really growing season, hard growing, <laughs> yeah. but um, it, 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 looking back, you see how valuable it was. Right. When you're in the middle of it, it was hard. It's hard, yeah. It's hard. Todd, what about you? What were some unexpected things you learned? Yeah, I, I would say the same, same thing of, of myself, but I think there are two things. Uh, the word cost, 
comes mm. up, you know, uh, you think about what is it going to cost you. But we learn quickly that when somebody is faithful to the Lord and they do what the Lord is asking them to do, and even the word go, mm. the, the word go means you're leaving something, right? Mm -hmm. So not only did we pay a cost, but people who loved us paid mm -hmm. a cost. Um, they weren't on the same journey. They didn't see the same open doors we mm -hmm. saw. They weren't praying, you know, a certain way. And they were just like, no, 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 no. We don't sense the Lord sending you there. We, <laughs> sense, we sense the Lord's keeping you right, right where you are. And so there are other people who have to pay a cost. And I think that's a big piece of this that it was painful too because yeah. I knew there were people who loved us mm -hmm. and there were people who, you know, would text, miss you and things. So it wasn't just us paying a cost, but they were paying a cost. But then there's the greatest cost that you, you, you can't miss out on and that is being obedient to the Lord. Wow. So when you measure all of these costs, it's going to be hard, but I have to obey the Lord. Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to pay that cost, that cost. you know. Right. Uh, and whatever that is, you know the safest place to be in the world is in the will of God. Mm. Even if you're in Afghanistan, yeah. that's still the safest place yeah. to be if that's where the Lord calls you. Right. Wow, that's incredible. And, you know, you probably have some folks here today who might be, some are, might be thinking, man, God is feeling a call to a full-time vocational ministry. Maybe, maybe we might go overseas. Maybe God might be calling you to go do something like this and you've been praying or wrestling or kind of questioning. What would you guys say to folks who are kind of on the edge? Because there are lots of folks, you know, maybe their kids have, have grown, they're adults. They could go serve for two years somewhere around the world. Um, what would you say to them, Christy? Um, obey. <laughs> Just obey. If the Lord's calling you to do that, obey. Um, but um, start out here. If you're not serving here, you're not going to serve there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so expose yourself to cross-cultural ministry here. Get involved in um, short-term trips or serving with refugees or some way. Sir, mentoring a child at Rockford. At Rockford. Do something. Get out there. Um, uh, just... Oh, go through the doors God opens for you. We didn't start out saying, oh, we're going to move to Africa for two years. We've been doing this for 30 years. And um, it, it started out just going to an inner city housing project and serving some kids. Just start obeying here. And the Lord will teach you so much um, through your obedience on this side um, before you. And you may not even go um, cross-culturally. It may be cross-cultural here in the city. Um, but just be obedient in the small things um, and God will open many doors. Yeah. What's your time? Yeah, I think it's neat to see, you know, Carly and Chloe on the video mm -hmm. and now Chloe is feeling called to, to go do two years as a journeyman with the IMB. So it is in the going that God does something to your heart. You know, mm -hmm. you usually don't start at phase 10. Yeah. You start zero to one mm -hmm. and... Um, make disciples here. Yeah. And I just, I just can't stress that enough. There's a joke among missionaries that say there's no transformation by aviation. So people who aren't making disciples here all of a sudden get on a plane and they land somewhere else. Now I'm going to be a disciple maker. Yeah. If you're not here, you won't be there. And yeah. so I just think uh, making disciples, caring about the nations, uh, a heart that absolutely says, um, 
It's unfair that some people can hear the gospel 10, 20, 30 times before other people even hear it once. Mm. And I, I can't live with that. Yeah. You know, there's just something that seems spiritually unfair about that. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like every single person on the planet should hear the gospel once. Yeah. They want to reject, reject it, that's okay, but you heard it. Yeah. But to think that there are billions, mm. not millions, billions of people who have never even had the chance to reject Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't let that go. So as you know, I, I, for the last six or seven years, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse two, Jesus says, uh, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Uh, and then he says, pray fervently that the Lord would send out workers, more yeah. workers. We need more workers. So every day, 10.02, my phone goes off. There's a little alarm to remind me to pray for workers. Mm. And uh, I've, I've seen the people who have never heard of Jesus and I've seen those villages and those uh, people who are worshiping you know, witch doctors and other things and they've just not had this opportunity. So praying for workers to go into the harvest field. But then for years, part of I think the calling was, and Lord, uh, let me be the answer to my own prayer. Mm. So there's some small things, and that may not seem so small because that's a pretty radical yeah, prayer. It's a radical but, <laughs> but you know, praying at 1002 or whenever mm-hmm. uh, for the Lord and the harvest, and, uh, and of course we know the harvest is coming here. Yeah, cultures and, and ethnicities, and uh, so I think just embracing the gospel, the true gospel, yeah, uh, and making disciples here, the Lord will do something new. He's, he's doing something new, he's, obviously. He's always he's, doing something new. He's working, and no matter what we're going through, whether it was COVID for you guys to pivot and then experience church planting and networks that you never dreamed of, I mean, the same is true for, for all of us. Like, we're, we're in a time, I think, in our life where worry is, is really growing, and we're worried about so many different things, and, and uh, I just imagine God shaking his head and just thinking, guys, uh, where's, where's our faith and where's our mission and where, where is our witness at? And so it's like the disciples as they were in this passage we read today, they're looking up in the sky as Jesus is, is ascending into heaven. What a glorious, amazing sight that would have been. And, and then immediately there were two angels that show up and say, hey guys, um, he's going to return the same way that you saw him leave. He's going to come back. So while you're waiting on him to come back, you guys need to go back to Jerusalem, get the Holy Spirit and go be a witness. Let's go, yeah. let's go. Yeah. And uh, I think for so many of us, we're just so wrapped up into what we're worried about and our own thing that we have forgotten the most important, the primary task that God is calling every single one of us to do and to be, and that is to be a witness for him. And my prayer for you today, whether you're at Bearden, that you would realize you're a witness today, and that you would get involved, or whether you would be here in, in the Maryville location, that you would get involved here. Go to base camp, get in a small group, start doing what the Lord is calling you to do. Right now, we have a team that's in uh, Georgia that, that uh, they're part of this, this network that uh, North American Mission Board is a part of that receives and is receiving all of these um, immigrants that have come into our country. And so they're learning how can we engage them how can we help them in some way? And so when they come back, they'll be able to train us and help with, with engaging all of these cultures that are around us. This is the opportunity that God's given to his people. And so we need to be ready for this. And, and I pray that, that we here in Knoxville, in Maryville, would be a part 
of this great work that we know God is gonna do. And to that end, I wanna pray. And uh, would you first just thank Todd and Christy for their, their ministry and for sharing today. And so now let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you would make Foothills Church a church that is on mission for you, passionate about sharing your truth with those that have never heard. And so, God, give us a burden for the things that, that burden your heart, that break your heart. Help us to care, God. Give us empathy for those that don't hear or, or haven't heard. And so, Lord, just give us that heavy burden. As a church, God, we're praying for that. And we're praying for workers to be sent God, would you, would you do that through the ministries here at Fiddles Church that your name would receive glory and praise and more people would experience the life-transforming power of the gospel. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000 or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.